As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed, ready to get you set for the Raiders' first exhibition game of the season. Their first exhibition game since, uh, well, really, as the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, no preseason last year, taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Um, First-time fans are going to be in Allegiant Stadium for a game, albeit a preseason game. But uh, to Sean, you'll be there on, on Saturday, and it won't be quite the same environment for the as as we'll see for the Monday night opener against the Ravens. But uh, just what's the vibe a little bit as they're getting ready to actually play a game with uh, some fans in the stadium? Yeah, I asked Gruden about it today, and you know he said they're pretty excited about it. He don't, doesn't know how many players are actually going to suit up. Uh, sounds like a lot of the starters probably won't play. You know, the fan, I think I saw in the email that the average ticket price is like well over $200 for a preseason game. So I'm sure some fans will be disappointed about that. They paid all that all that bread to come. But uh, it should be a pretty dope environment. I mean, going out there for the, the, the stadium practice that they had, you know, uh, last Sunday, you know, it was about 20,000 or so fans. And a good amount of them were drunk and, you know, already getting their, their nice season style chants going on and yelling at the players and stuff so it should be a pretty lively uh, i would say a more lively preseason game than usual um you know like i said especially with it being really the first game in front of fans since they moved to las vegas you know with them not a lot of fans last year so there's a decent amount of excitement but uh you know the actual game you know you know who knows who we'll see out there you get your first uh, big official raiders drink and a big raiders cup and watch nathan peterman it's good stuff man <laughs> doesn't get better than that Case Cookus. Case Cookus, yeah. Case Cookus will be out there. I want to bring up something here. I'm, I'm looking at uh, April 20th, so on, on 420, maybe, maybe appropriate. Vic Tafer, mock draft, along with Deshaun Reed. Uh, you guys t- took your own shots at it. Fifth round, pick 159, Tafer. Case Cookus, quarterback, Northern Arizona. Fifth round? Wow. Fifth round. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 I want to read Vic's. 
Vic Scotty report here. Cook is 24, has good size, six foot four, two ten, and a gunslinger's mentality, and he moves around better than the other quarterbacks still available, other than Michigan's Shea Patterson, who can't throw. Cookus did have season-ending collarbone injuries in 2016 and 18 and wasn't invited to any of the All-Star games this year, but you still liked him as a fifth-round pick. So that won't drive up some ticket sales for Saturday night. I'm not sure what will. People are like, I gotta go watch Case Cookus. That's the man. There you go. This was back in the 2020 mock draft, so uh, it took a it took a season later, but uh, they, they've got him. Was, that was last year's mock draft. That was last year's mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's paid his price. Oh. Well, let's let's see who did. Uh, let, let me let me give you who Tashawn uh, picked. Tashawn uh, Dane Jackson, cornerback out of uh, Pittsburgh. And this is the draft where you guys did where you run it twice, where you uh, I guess if if you had a second chance to make the pick. Do you want to know who your pick was uh, when you ran it twice, Vic? Uh, not really, but go ahead. <laughs> Case Cook it. Case, Case Cook it. <laughs> double down. I doubled down, baby. I doubled down. Uh, Case Cook uh, I love that guy. I forgot I love him so much. Man, I got to write guy. a profile on this guy now. I man. do. I'm his, I'm his biggest fan. Gunslinger. I Gunslinger. If he goes often in preseason, you got the receipts you could post on Twitter. Tell me, man, I should get the official autobiography rights right now. I should get to lock him in. I mean, but in terms of Saturday, you know, like you, you said to Sean, we're not going to see, you know, much, if any, of the starters. And the way it sounds, we're not going to see Marcus Mariota. He's He's got, what, a, a sore leg? And obviously, he's a guy that, you know, I think Raider fans would like to see at some point a little bit here in the preseason. But uh, it doesn't sound like that'll happen on Saturday. It has to be a little bit concerning considering, you know, he missed most of last season due to various injuries and, you know, kind of led to his exit from from Tennessee where were injuries as well. So, you know, not that he would, you know, be starting or anything this season, but, you know, they want to use him in more of those, you know, red zone, maybe kind of zone read plays. And it's twice, you know, training camp that he's gotten hurt, you know, so it makes you wonder, like, if he, you know, takes some of those hits in live games, is he going to be able to hold up even doing that throughout the season? So uh, it's not a huge deal, you know, it's, it's like a preseason game, the first one, but um, it has kind of been a recurring thing with them lately. Plus, he had, like, what, he have two picks in the last practice on Tuesday? So Yeah, and he had a, a few before that throughout camp. I think it's four in camp. When I was a kid, I missed a big goal in soccer. I would go down in a heap. I'd be, like, grabbing my leg, like, ah! <laughs> so maybe that's kind of what it is. I don't know. But uh, I'm sure it's fine. I think, like I said, it's a chance for fans to watch uh, the great Nate Peterman. So it's, uh, it's all good. You know, in terms of where they're at, Otherwise, health-wise, uh, Darren Waller has, has missed, what, about a week now uh, or so. I mean, we don't know a whole lot what's going on there. Um, obviously, it's too way too early to be concerned or anything. And the conspiracy theorists out there say that it's just to make sure that Carr gets enough reps with uh, with all the other guys. Um, obviously, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, they have a connection. They, you know, It's not a big deal if he misses a week at training camp. But um, at what point is there a concern there with, with Waller missing so much time? It's a good question. I don't. For some reason, I don't think it's serious. I think... Um, I remember uh, his last day in practice. I remember I watched him, and he actually talked to the trainer. I don't think it was a big deal at the time, but he talked to the trainer on the sideline, and I think it was – I think it's a pretty minor thing. I saw him in the weight room two days later on, so what I hear is not that serious, but obviously they're being extra precautious. So I would imagine if he's not back in a week – if he's not back with the Rams workouts next week, then I think we have to really uh, double down to find out what's going on and start worrying about it. But – I think they're just being extra safe, and for good reason. It doesn't really matter. I mean, the guy's in immaculate shape. He knows Derek Carr, and he have a great rapport already. You don't need, you don't need extra throws in practice right now. So it's better for Foster Moreau and for uh, Derek Carrier to get those looks now and, and, and be some other guys and young tight ends at the bottom of the roster. Yeah, I did talk to somebody that was you know, close to the situation that said 
seems like he'll be fine. And, and Gruden said that as well after the practice at the stadium uh, earlier this week. I think it's been around, around two weeks that he's missed, though, because I think he last practiced last Monday. So it's uh, been about two weeks of practice that he's been off for. You know, so like Vic said, if he misses, you know, let's say, you know, all of next week with the joint practices with the Rams and, and the game with the Rams, um, then maybe, you know, maybe he's not fine or maybe it is something a little bit more serious. But we are still about a, a month or so away from the start of the regular season. And so even if he you know, is out for the preseason or something like that, it's not a, an enormous deal, I don't think. Well, if he misses time, I don't think Jason Witten's doing anything. You could always hit him up. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Coaching high school football. What are you talking about? He's, he's, got, he's doing double days right now. Hey, I mean, even Philip Rivers said he'd uh, consider coming back, and he's he's really into coaching. But we're going to talk more about the defense. But before we get there, what is there that we even want to see out of the offense on Saturday? I mean, this defense becoming somewhat close to league average is probably the biggest difference between them making that leap from you know an eight and eight team to a playoff contender. So that's where I think most of the focus is going to be on Saturday. Is there anything that any of you guys are looking for offensively? I mean, they're so established there. I mean, I would guess it's Alex Leatherwood, Andre James, and and that offensive line. But again, the, the off, starting offensive line, even with a couple of guys that aren't that experienced, probably aren't going to play very much. No, you're probably looking at guys who'd be more in backup roles. Like, I mean, I think right now Brandon Parker's probably a swing tackle right now, so make sure he holds up fine. And Jared Jones-Smith, another guy, and they got some young guards. So... I guess those guys you're looking at. I think uh, you got these running backs from Alabama will definitely get some 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 runs. So see what BJ Evans can do and Bo Scarborough. But just kind of, those kind of guys, like guys who have a long shot to make it, but obviously some good games on tape will definitely help their cause. Not even here, but also somewhere else if, if that has to ha- has to happen. Yeah, if they do play, I do want to see what the new offensive linemen starters kind of look like. I mean, Andre James, he hasn't. I mean, he's played on special teams, but he hasn't taken offensive snaps since 2019 I don't think in the actual actual game so seeing him back with some live contact and how he looks and then obviously you know Leatherwood you know we haven't seen him at this level yet and you know if either of those guys plays I'll definitely be a focus area but you know like you said not too much else on the offense I mean we pretty much you know know what to expect from them at this point yeah I think from the starting offensive line you just want to see good communication especially with the new center you know Hudson was so instrumental in getting everybody organized all the time and then going from a guy experienced as Hudson to somebody with zero experience like James is going to be it's going to be a new experience, and you just want to see him communicate, especially against the blitzes, because against the Ravens you're going to see a ton of blitzes. Seattle has blitzed a little bit more in the last couple of years, so I think the Raiders would want to see some blitzes on that starting offensive line to see how they hold up and communicate with each other. All right, Seahawks, uh, let, let's bring it. Is, is Norton still the defensive coordinator there? Yeah, yeah, he is. Kenny, bring it with the blitzes uh, for that one drive maybe that Andre James is out there. Let, let, let's blitz him heavy. But yeah, I mean, it's weird because normally offensively, you know, you're at least kind of looking, oh, who's going to win the fifth, sixth receiver role? I mean, and Vic, you know, you've kind of said it. I mean, this, and I mean, when you look at the way the roster is constructed, I mean, those six receivers are, are pretty well locked in. Yeah, I think Willie Sneed has come in and been not only obviously a veteran type who knows how to run all the routes, but also a good leader. I think he definitely stepped into that role. He and John Brown kind of the role that was vacated by Nelson Aguilar. So they love him. I think their six guys are pretty much set. So guys like Keelan Doss and Marcel Aitman, who have some experience in the NFL, are kind of auditioning for other teams. I mean, they have really no shot to make the roster. So I don't even sure a practice squad for them is really an option because you want younger guys at this point. Uh, so... Yeah, for Keelan Doss and, and Marshall Aitman, this is your chance to really show out and have a team like, hey, that guy, we could use that guy. As far as the defense goes, again, that's probably where most of our attention is going to go uh, for these preseason games. 
Tanner Muse, right? Uh, currently listed uh, as a starter at outside linebacker. And, and listen, granted, he might be listed there as a starter. Um, you know, they don't usually have three linebackers out there very often. And and I, you guys have both written that. I mean, no matter what the depth chart says right now, I mean, if you're having three linebackers out there, it's probably going to be Nicholas Morrow, Corey Littleton, and Nick Kwiatkowski. But, I mean, Tanner Muse, getting to see him finally play um, after a lost training camp and a lost season last year, um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. He's another guy that, that hasn't played a game since 2019, you know, with him missing all of last season. And uh, last time, you know, he was on the field, he was playing safety. So, uh, not in high school, he also played safety. So, you know, it's his first live game in a couple of years, playing a position that he's never really played before in an actual game. And so, interested to see, can he actually, you know, play linebacker in the NFL? I mean, we just don't know at this point. I know he didn't have the best camp last year, but, I mean, you know, his training camp, I can't really say whether the guy can play in a game or not. Seeing if he can have some use for them outside of just being on special teams, I think would be something that, like you said, you know, with him being a, you know, kind of, fringe starter um you know we don't expect to see the, the the first teamers out there that much but with him being a younger guy that hasn't played in a while you figure that he'll play a good amount of snaps at least on Saturday plus it's the debut of the uh, self-proclaimed special teams war daddy so apparently he's the man of special teams so they haven't had an impact guy in teams and, and Dwayne Harris is probably the only guy I can think of that stands out right now but if he's a guy who can come down and make plays then that's that's huge for them so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well yeah, they had that one year where they had what, like Darren Bates. They had uh, Andre Holmes. They had uh, there was one other guy. Yeah, it was um, a former Ravens, uh, like um, Brandon Trawick. Was that it? I got yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Brandon Trawick. Yeah, where they were just like loaded. Brad Seely was, you know, was one of the best special team coaches around. He he like, he had one off season where he like was able to go get his guys and and landed like and they had and they had a good teams unit. Um, Taiwan Jones, I think, was still around. Um, yeah, since then, uh, haven't, haven't had that. Um, but uh, in terms of the other guys on defense, looking forward to see. Uh, we talked about that outside linebacker position. Malcolm Kuntz has gotten a little bit of action there. He was a guy that was drafted you know, as an edge rusher, defensive end type, but uh, maybe trying him in a little bit of a hybrid role. I think the, the prototypical Sam linebacker in this system is kind of a cross between you know a 3-4 outside linebacker and a guy that could play off ball. Like K.J. Wright was that prototypical linebacker who could play off ball. And they didn't sign him. Yeah. And he could play at on the line of scrimmage and, you know, go against tight ends and hold up against the point of attack. So, you know, Tanner Muse is probably an off ball guy that can't play off the ball too much. Littleton has the length to do it, but he's not, he doesn't really have the strength to hold up at the point of attack. So, you know, it, it makes sense why they're trying Koontz over there at that position because, you know, he can hold up and he has the athleticism to play off ball, even though he doesn't really have that ex- much experience doing it. So, you know, it would be uh, interesting to see what he can do. Yeah, and he had spent most of training camp working with the, the reserves, you know, third team, fourth team, you know, kind of off to the side. They've had those guys separate from the starters and backups. But this week, it was really the first week that he started lined up in that outside linebacker role. And, you know, he's been working with the second team and even the first team uh, sometimes, both uh, today and then Tuesday. And so, you know, that, that's a wrinkle. I guess they waited till game week to throw out there. But it, but it makes sense, you know, that they're pretty congested along the defensive line. And so I don't know how much room you could find for him to get playing time. But when they do to go to more of those three, four fronts, you know, it could be a way, a creative way to kind of get him better passing rush lanes off the edge. And, you know, he's a, you know, he's not a small guy, but he's a lighter guy. Um, he needs to, you know, build up some muscle mass and get bigger. And so kind of playing more of a linebacker role might be a little bit easier for him to get after the quarterback than lining up as a traditional end. Yeah, I think they're pretty set uh, one through four at the end. They got uh, Ngakwe, Crosby, Nassib, 
and Klee. So, and also, if you need more run support, you can always move Solomon Thomas over. So, I don't think there's really a, a hole for him right now at the end. So, if they can get him on the field somewhere else, then that's that's probably good. He has you know, explosive speed and, and good bend. So, if he can make some plays at linebacker, that's good for him and good for them. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Another guy who's been talked about a lot during training camp, obviously, Damon Arnett. He talked to the media on Thursday, and uh, he stood up and flexed for you, Tashad. He, he, he wanted to show off that uh, he, he, he's finally done uh, just being able to work out with uh, the bands. He's, he can actually uh, you know, use some real weights now. Uh, so he says he said last year that he never got above 175 pounds. So he feels stronger now. Um, Obviously, a lot been made of the fact that he was a first-round pick who was not projected to start for them. I think you got a sense of confidence from him talking to him on Thursday. Yeah, he gave the uh, the video guys a lot of work. They had to clean that clean that one up before they they sent it out to us. But yeah, I mean, even outside of just getting bigger physically, uh, it sounds like you know he kind of struggled a little bit mentally last season with you know coming in and, and not really being able to you know show why the Raiders thought he was a first-round pick, you know, both on and off the field, and so. Seems like he feels a little bit better, more more focused coming into this this, this season, and obviously you know he's he's bigger and stronger, and you know even though he's you know kind of in that backup role, you know in this modern NFL, you know we don't really you can't really just stick to to two cornerbacks riding him out the whole game, you know be gassed by the end of the game. So you know still opportunity there for him to play pretty significant snaps there on the outside, and you know I also asked him about you know adjusting to being in a more you know zone heavy scheme. Uh, cover three scheme and, and not playing as much press man as he used to. And he said he actually did a good amount of this stuff when he was in college at Ohio State. And so he's, he's picked up on it pretty quickly and, and he's formed really a good relationship with defensive backs coach Ron Miles. And so sounds like he's more comfortable all around, even though he's not starting this season. So even though he may not take as many, you know, first team snaps as he did last year, he could actually end up being a better player for the Rays this season. I think he's definitely made some strides in the last few months. Like the staff um, sat him down. They wanted more of an effort in the weight room, which has done that. Made more focus off the field. I mean, his fans give him a hard time because of his music and his other interest you know, on the social media. But I think he's definitely has been more focused uh, the last two or three months. So I think it's, it's been very positive. Again, I don't think he's going to start, but that's fine. If he, I mean, I know people say, well, he was drafted the first round. I could, but as long as he's making progress and he's going to be, a, like Deshaun said, a better player now. It was last year better mentally, more focused, and you see him taking strides. It's really all you can ask for a young guy. So, and again, depth is always key. So, just because he's not starting doesn't mean he can't at some point be an impact player for them if he keeps going on, on the right track. I heard his answer about you know doing cover three in college, and you know I think everybody knows what cover three is since high school, but there's different levels to playing it, and you have to play at a certain level when you're going to be exclusively in cover three in NFL. And, you know, Hayward has an experience uh, playing it, which is why he's starting now. But, you know, watching the film, like I said last week, I think, you know, Hayward probably did lose a, a step or two. If he does play well, then it's going to be hard for Arnett to kind of beat him out. But I do believe that Arnett will eventually get a chance. And when he does get that chance, hopefully he's he's ready and um, he does look bigger. So, you know, maybe he, he'll be more prepared this time around. You know, and it's funny for all the hand wringing over a guy being a first round pick and having to start and all that. I mean, I look in, within the division, the Broncos drafted Pat Sertan at, at number nine. And this is after in free agency, they went and, you know, Kyle Fuller was a surprise cut in Chicago. They brought him in. They had already signed Ronald Darby to a three year deal. And those are the starters. I mean, Pat Sertan might be their fourth corner, but, you know, Vic Fangio was kind of creating the defense that's going to try to take advantage of being able to use really all four of their top corners. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that was drafted number nine who's not walking right in and, and being expected to start. So, I mean, 
it, like you said, Vic, I think if he's progressing and if he can make some plays, it doesn't matter if he's starting right now. I mean, Casey Hayward's not going to be here forever. I mean, you, you don't have him signed up for the next five years uh, in, in your plan. So if he can you know, learn, progress in year two, and then by next year is ready to to be more of an impact starter, then then cool. All the hand-wringing uh, right now is is for naught. In terms of hand-wringing, uh, it seems like a bunch of former Raiders are have been uh, going on the offensive this week, right? Uh, we, we've heard Arden Key talked to the Niners media about how miserable he was with the Raiders and how, how bad of a fit it was. And I think LaMarcus Joyner was all angry that he was forced to play slot corner, which Vic, you pulled out the receipt for that one uh, with, uh, <laughs> with LaMarcus. And, uh, and, uh, and I guess Malik Collins today, maybe might've might said something, but, uh, but Vic, I, I like the receipts you pulled out on LaMarcus Joyner. Yeah. I just think if you make $22 million over two years and make like one play, Maybe you shouldn't <laughs> pop off. I just think he's the guy that came in, was talking about playing the slot, how he brings out his best of his abilities, and obviously didn't work out. Obviously, the Raiders made some mistakes. Gunther did a bad job. Fans hate Gunther. The system was terrible. I get all that, but at some point, you got to be accountable. You got to, as a player, and plus, if you make $22 million, I mean, you got to be saying thank you for the rest of your life. You can't be ripping the Raiders for giving you $22 million. So, good luck to him in New York. I mean, uh, he was always an interesting guy when I talked to him personally. I just think, uh, ah, it just hit me the wrong way. I just think the Raiders deserve a lot of the blame and a lot of the criticism they get. But in that case, I mean, he's got to own some of it. I mean, especially he'd make $22 million. I can't give that number. $22 million. I think, I think I remember one play he made. Like there was a pass breakup in the end zone. I think he had two plays. I think it was yeah, like two plays say, in a row. Was two, yeah, two. I remember two. I'll give him one. I'll give him that's it. But I just, that to me, I can't imagine the Raiders' reaction when they saw that just because like, Come on, man. I mean, obviously, it didn't work out. You, you're you on your way. You took your money. Fine. But just leave us alone, man. Go on and do your thing. And don't rip us to shreds because you couldn't, didn't make any plays. I was going to say, I mean, I, I give LaMarcus a little bit more leeway just because, I mean, like, at least he was, like, previously a good player with the Rams at safety. And so I could get it. Like, you know, maybe you're a better player at safety. But, like, Arden Key, man, what, what, what did you ever <laughs> Come on, man. Like, he has absolutely no room. To talk about anything like Lisa Mark and be like, I was like a really good player with the Rams. Art Key, come on, come on. Hey, he twisted Ryan Fitzpatrick's helmet all sideways and he kicked Deshaun Watson in the face. Now, both of those were on plays that lost in the game, but you know, he, yeah, he made an impact. I, you know, honestly, it's like it's like when I think of Art and Key, those are the only two plays I remember him kicking Deshaun Watson in the face. Did Deshaun throws the game winning touchdown? And then, you know, twisting Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, face mask as he throws that pass to to set up the game-winning field goal. I mean, those those are the two plays I remember. These guys are probably all in a group chat talking smack about the Raiders. That's, that's what's probably happening. But I think with, you know, certain players and especially defensive backs, I think they have to tell themselves a narrative to get them to get going again. You know, like... I remember when Richard Sherman was lying about the whole Baker Mayfield handshake thing, you know? So I, I just think that they have to tell themselves this narrative to get going. And I think for Joyner, he needs to get that fresh start. So he needs that fresh mentality. And it's it just funny because it just contradicts his quote about wanting to play in the slot and saying it's not a good fit when he's with the Jets. But yeah, I just think for defensive backs, especially, they, they just have to tell, give themselves a new narrative at, at times. Who was it that lied about Amari Cooper? Said Amari Cooper was talking crap. Oh, uh, it was game. Josh Norman. 
Josh Norman, that's right. Who's another defensive back. Yeah. But DBs like to make up stuff in their heads. Yeah. yeah I think about Arden. Arden always cracked me up. Arden's just a, I mean, that's just a bad pick. He's, just a, he's a young guy who's known any better. But he criticized the system. The system doesn't say when guys are in your grasp, like let them slip let through. Don't, don't bring them down. That's not, that's not in the system. So, again, I just these guys crack me up. But uh, whatever. It's all in the past. The Raiders are moving full steam ahead. So we'll see what this new – D-line looks good so far, so hopefully the new D-line is uh, as good as advertised. It's funny, though, how the Niners have been basically building up the depth of their defensive line by just siding. They signed Eddie Vanderdose on Thursday now, so they've added really? Eddie, Vander- Eddie Vanderdose. Yeah, Eddie Vanderdose. <laughs> they signed Shalit Calhoun. We obviously know they got Key and, and Mo Hurst, and I think we all would agree, Mo Hurst, that's a solid pickup. I think he's going to probably do pretty well for them. He was a solid Raider. I mean, he wasn't, you know, I mean, I don't think he was ever quite, you know, lived up to the, the you know, when he was possibly hyped up as a first-round pick before the heart issues. Uh, you know, he was a solid player, though, for the Raiders, and I think a lot of Raiders fans would still like to have him back. But, uh, yeah, Shalik Calhoun, Arden Key, and Eddie Vanderdoes. You know, Vanderdoes and Calhoun, let's be honest, they're not going to make the team, but they are probably going to play in that third preseason game against the Raiders. Ooh, um, that'll nice. be That'll be juicy. That'll um, be juicy stuff. But, I mean, Arden Key is like, It'd be like their number three, number four pass rusher kind of looks like just because and they, you know, they have depth issues with uh, with the D Ford uncertainty. So we'll, we'll see what happens all there. But um, yeah, third preseason game, Eddie Vanderdose, Shalik Calhoun against the Raiders uh, should be fun. Again, we're selling, tic- we're selling tickets again. Let's look at us. We're hyping it up, selling up matchups. Do you guys a favor. Well, we need, need a commission for this. We do. It's crazy. All right. Let's take a few questions here before we get out of here. Um, this one here from Joey M. And uh, this uh, references a guy that you mentioned earlier, Ted. Uh, there was a visit with KJ Wright. Is our depth at linebacker a reason why he didn't sign? Do you see a possibility of him coming back to sign before the season starts? My guess is that they offered him a, a similar deal to Joe McCoy, probably the veteran minimum, I think, at this point. I think he thinks he's better than that. So he's still shopping for offers. Um I was surprised they brought him in because I thought they were kind of happy with the linebacker uh, situation. Uh, obviously, he'd probably want to play. They probably had plans for him to play if he came in. So I'm not exactly sure about the fit and who would uh, take a seat. But I think it could still happen. I think, obviously, at some point he has to realize his value is not what it was or what he thought it was a while back. So I, I don't think it's out of the question they can still come back and, and sign him. Yeah, I think it's more of a money thing just because, I mean, looking at the, the outside linebacker depth, I mean, he's – a better player than Tanner Muse and Javin White right now. So, you know, he'd be there probably their, you know, third, fourth best linebacker. So I don't think it was a, mat- a matter of their rotation, but more so wanting more money. All right. Question here from Marcus S. What do you predict the split will be between Jacobs and Drake in the backfield? Will Drake command goal line touches or the majority of third downs? I think it will still be like pretty significantly like in Jacob's favor in terms of the percentage wise on the split. I, I definitely think his, his carries overall carries will go down by a significant chunk, but I don't see it being a situation where it's like a, a 50, 50, you know, kind of split where they're both, you know, co-starters or something like that. I don't think Jacobs will be losing out on goal on carries though, because, you know, Drake is not really a, a power back and that's one of Jacob's specialties is uh, being able to move the piles. So as far as goal line carries, I don't think Drake will eat into those. Yeah, I agree. I think people forget how good uh, Devonta Booker was last year. I thought he definitely did a nice job for him last year. So I think the Raiders just want Drake to kind of take those carries, add a little more stuff outside as far as like be able to catch some balls, maybe a lot of receiver at times. But I think they'll be happy if he's matched Devontae's production on the ground. Because Devontae was pretty good last year. I, think they, I was surprised they'd make more of an effort to bring him back. 
Question here from Amrondo M. I saw Josh Dubow tweet uh, debate someone on Twitter if Cleveland Furl. Wait, Josh. Was... Josh got a debate on Twitter. <laughs> Shocking, <What>? right? <laughs> he saw Josh d- debate someone on Twitter if Cleveland Furl was elite as a run defender or not. What constitutes elite? Is he fitting the new scheme? I think if he was elite, there would be no questions about him being a starter with a significant role. This keeps coming up, I think, in the comments on your guys' stories. Been a lot of stories lately that mention a lot of guys on defense, and Cleveland Furl is not even a name that's that's even mentioned. You know, Gerald McCoy was kind of rattling off names and, and didn't mention him. And what are our thoughts on Cleveland Furl? I mean, I think he's a good run defender, right? I mean, he's he's good. Yeah, I don't think I don't think elite is uh, is accurate, but. Uh... I'm sorry I missed the Josh DeBow Twitter battle about PFF uh, run defense stats. That's that sounds pretty exciting. Like, uh, but I think Cleveland's fine. I, I always say it's not his fault he was drafted fourth in the draft overall. So he's a good player. I think he'll fit in at some point. Maybe a little bit outside, a little inside. But um, yeah, he's not elite at either at either run defense or pass rush. I think he's uh, at this point he's a solid guy who can be a rotation guy for the Raiders. He's good to very good against the run, but I mean, if you want to see a, an elite run defender, you know, sorry to have to bring this up, but watch Cleo Mack. You know, he oh. <laughs> he's like destroying things in a backfield. He's throwing guys back there. That's what an elite run defender looks like. But Furl's really good. God, Raider fans are gonna be mad at you, Ted. You brought up the the wrong name, the wrong guy. Well, since he brought him up, Luke K, how does the combo of Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin compare to the combo <laughs> of Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby? Obviously, Khalil was a freak, so I'm not asking whether Yannick matches up to him, but rather if the combo of Max and Yannick have the potential to be a similar one-two punch. Your segues have been on point today, Jimmy. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice job. I feel like a, I'm like a puppet just being kind of dragged along. Um, <laughs> Well, Bruce Irvin, though, his career high, I want to say, it was eight sacks. Eight, 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 eight and a half, Eight and a half sacks. He desperately wanted to have a ten sacks. He did, God. Desperately. Just, God, I talked to him several times uh, about that, how badly. It's like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And they just quit. But uh, that's, that's another topic. But uh, <laughs> Hey, at that Niner game. But too. Max is what? Max has got, he's already got double figures already. So I think Max is definitely already a more accomplished pass rusher than Bruce was. So I think give him the edge there. So and then the Mac and Gakwe thing, I mean – and Gakwe has gotten bigger. He's definitely determined to be the show. He's a top pass rusher, so he takes another jump up this year. But he's probably like, you know, what, 11, 12 sack kind of guy at, at best. So I think it, overall combined, it's probably close, I guess. I mean, it's, not, it's pretty. Max is in great, great shape. So I definitely think he could have a big year. So it could be closer than people think. Yeah, if you give Max 10 and, and then Gakwe 12, that kind of, I mean, that that's 22. That pretty much matches up with like Khalil at 14 and, and Bruce at eight, you know, that's something, something like that. So, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, again, you don't have, you don't have the run defense of Khalil. So that's, that's where you're, you're missing out. If you get, you add in Klee gives you like half of the run defense of Khalil. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of they're better there. than, I th- they're better at any point that they've been since losing Mac, but. Yeah, and I think I can't remember who who's the third pass rusher after Khalil and Bruce. I can't remember who it was, but uh, you figure Carl Mack for a while. It was Shalik Calhoun. It for was a while. Calhoun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so obviously Carl Nassib was definitely going to have a better year than Calhoun ever did. So their pass rush should be better uh, one through three than it ever was with, with Khalil here. All right. Um, question here from BF: How is the offensive line looking with the new starters? Any concern about the depth that tackle with the Sam Young retirement? <laughs> that was big. <laughs> uh, I mean, the offensive line, it's hard to judge the offensive line in, in, in 
even with pads on in practice, it's because of, you know, with, with it not being live, you know, you can only judge so much, but they look fine. I mean, I haven't noticed any like glaring communication issues day in and day out or, or mistakes or things of that nature. I do think the depth uh, on the outside isn't, isn't fantastic. I know, I know Brennan Parker came in and, you know, he started a, a couple games out of necessity last year, but he didn't look particularly good in either one of them. Uh, Sam Young just got hurt every week, so I don't, I don't know if that's really hurting them at all by, by not having him anymore. But, uh, yeah, unless Jared Jones-Smith lives up to that, that Mike Mayock hype that he got earlier this year, I, I think it's they're in trouble if somebody gets hurt on the outside for sure. But I think interior-wise, you know, having Nick Martin behind Andre James, if something happens there, he's been a starter with the Texans for a while, and he also has some flexibility to play guard. And I think they feel you know pretty good about John Simpson as their third guard. So I think they're pretty set on the interior oil, but outside it's, it's a little bit scary out there. I thought Tom Kibble the other day, didn't you say that they have three starting tackles? He counted Brandon Parker as a, a starting caliber tackle. So he's right or die with Brandon Parker. Got, I mean, give him credit for that. But uh, I don't know. Brandon, to me, is just uh, just a guy. But um, he obviously has experience at this point. That's good. So he knows the system very well. So he should be fine with a swing tackle. And then um, so the backups should be okay. I, I was I was a little concerned coming into camp, but uh, they look fine. Deshaun, they look fine. I mean, I think Ali James I, I had little doubts about and – Richie's in great shape, and Denzel Good definitely is fired up to be the starter this year. Leatherwood looks fine. I think uh, we'll see when the bullets fly for real. But, um, yeah, that line, I think, is is, is, is fine. I think it may not have the heights of the old line, you know, one of the big days they had, but should be solid, should be uh, hungry, and uh, that's what you want out of the offensive line. You've got solid, smart guys who are hungry. And you got to remember, I mean, nobody really has offensive line depth, especially at tackle. It's just so hard to find that Parker is, you know, probably one of the better backup tackles in the, in the league, believe it or not. So if you look around the league and one of the tackles goes down on most teams, they're in trouble. So it, it, it's hard to find tackle depth. All right. Well, I have to go pick up my daughter from school. So I'm going to end it on this final question here from Raymond Q. If every 10 seconds you had to fight five kindergartners, and after 10 rounds, you get a boss fifth grader. How many do you think you could take out before they overtake you? I'm sorry. So I'm, Wait, what? I'm beating, beating up. <laughs> so kindergartners are the first wave. So five. Every 10 seconds, you have to fight five kindergartners. Oh, five of them. At, so then after 10, ra- so after, <laughs> after 10 rounds, so that's after you've taken out 50 kindergartners <laughs> <laughs> in a matter of a minute and 40 seconds, you get a boss fifth grader, big fifth grader. How many of those fifth graders, after you've been you've been bouncing off those 50 kindergartners, how many fifth graders can you take out before they overtake you? And there's no social backlash? No one's going to like, I'm not going to have to be like, criticized or like martyred society? I mean, I could, I could do it all day, obviously. So I, so. I hope this, I'm like, I'm literally about to go to a, a campus with kindergartners and fifth graders. I, I hope this is not about to happen to me. <laughs> Look at fifth graders, that guy. Come here, kid. Let me talk to you a little second. Gotta pick him up a little bit so you can throw him. Like, all right. Now, now you're going to be sizing up all the fifth graders as soon as you get to the school. I, I am. I am. That is, a, am. that is a strange way to go out. I got to set up a strange last question. That is from uh, Raymond Q. So, uh, Raymond Q. You're, you're 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 special. What sparked what sparked that question? Like what happened to him? <laughs> like some, some fifth grader gave him like a look like their day after school. I, I like, think he wanted to differentiate himself with the question <laughs> yes. to get it on the show, and he did that. He did that. All right. Hey, so, yeah. Fun question. Fun question. All right, guys. Well, Saturday Raiders taking on the Seahawks at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, good chance to finally see some preseason games to see how these guys have been developing and. Uh, 
you know, we'll uh, we'll be ready to evaluate and talk all about it next week and see uh, see what the Raiders are looking like after week one as they get ready for that, uh, that joint practice session, those two sessions down there with the Rams, which those should be fun next week. Adios. Later.